Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I have never seen a man simultaneously be so anonymous, yet cause so many things to break down, which by definition means he was involved. It was bizarre. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Barca Talk, part of the Blog Roundagram Podcast Network. I am Gabriel Quiroga here in Madrid, and I'm joined by my partner in crime, Craig McGuff, in the UK. Craig, what is going on? It's all good. (laughs) Finished work for Christmas on vacation. Ready to have Barca ruin it one more time before the fat man comes, and then all good, all good, brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have we have some some things to talk about. Obviously, we're going to do the match review of Valencia on the second half. But the first thing we want to talk about is just some more news about the Barca elections. Uh, our friends from Bogdanogram wrote some articles about Laporta and about his quotes about transition. And of course, the big news this week, Craig, was Laporta putting the big banner in front of the Bernabeu <laughs> in the stadium. But I want to start off with the question that you messaged me earlier this week, and you just simply said do you think Laporta can win yeah and do you yes I do think he can win and I'm not I I just think that it's the romanticism of his success that is going to capture a lot of votes right Uh, I just think I think Font is a better prepared president for this moment just of what is economic and and the best thing that Font had for that response was that a banner doesn't solve our economic debt Right. It doesn't solve the stadium project and other things. So I think Fawn had a really good response. But like you said, when you asked me that question, I mean, I think he's definitely going to take away a lot of the votes because a lot of the associates are going to have that romantic vision yeah. of what he was. You know, that's it. It, it. It's a really complex one, in my opinion, because on the one hand, I completely agree with Font's assessment of that, which is banners are all, all well and good. But what's going to, you know, how does that help? But my my, my two thoughts are number one. Have we forgotten how toxic it got towards the end of Laporta's first time? And secondly, if Laporta was bringing the team with him that included the likes of Mark Ingler, Ferran Soriano, Chiki Bagiristan, if they were coming back, I'd be excited. But I don't, I, I, I don't know his team well enough, and I, I worry that again, if I can kind of, as an outsider, throw massive grenades into U.S. politics, it's kind of is Laporta's banner Trump standing there saying, "Build a wall, lock her up." Whereas what the country needs is someone saying, right, this is how we'll beat COVID. And I wonder if if Laporta's banners are yet another example of the fact that he is a very charismatic leader. But towards the end, ultimately, Laporta got us into the mess we're in, right? Financially. Yeah, yeah, sure. And is he the man to get us out? So I, I am nervous about Laporta. I'm also very unconvinced about Font in many ways. They're both playing the La Masia card too hard for me. But it was funny. 
and at the minute I'll take any bright bright spot. And it was funny the banner. So I guess round one, round one to Laporta. <laughs> do we say? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's. I mean, with the marketing game, Laporta's got that down. I mean, he's uh, mm. he's really you know he like you said, it's a really good comparison to him with Trump, which is mm. saying catchphrases and La Masia. And like earlier this week, he was talking about he'll do everything to keep Messi and so forth. Again. You know, he also had this interesting quote that, you know, one uh, in the Blood Ground Ground article pointed out as well was that he doesn't believe in transition seasons and just kind of putting more fuel to that fire that if he was in control, that we wouldn't be in this mess. But like you said, he's kind of the first building block of why we're in this mess. Right. And to me. There's no such thing. There, there are such things as transition periods. It's just a part of the cycle of pro sports. I mean, you're a Packers fan, you know, mm-hmm. think about how many times you've been in transition, even under with such a great quarterback with Aaron Rodgers. It. It's just a part of the cycle. You know, you go through it four or five years. You have to renew the roster, the economics of it. It's a part of the thing to think that you can just go through 15 years without transition. It's just it's it's a false dream. The only thing that I would say on that is if it's a case of I will keep messy but there will be no transition, then I find that odd because there's going to have to be. Because where's the where's the money coming from to buy players and keep Messi and for there to be no transition? Like, I'm confused by it. I'm, com- I'm And I'm sort of, I'm panicking that it's my own ineptitude with what's going on around me, but I don't understand how they can put all of these pieces together. We're simultaneously going to be more La Masia focused than we ever have been, but we're also going to go and buy some superstar players. And then we're also going to keep Messi, who clearly doesn't want to be here and who swallows up all of our cash for us to do one of the other two things. And there'll be no transition and everything will be fine next year. I just, I just worry about it. And I think, am I either misunderstanding this or is, are they both just being incredibly misleading? Well, you know, we can, we can talk about politicians being politicians, but I just, just be honest, like come out and just give us true assessment of where the club is would be, would be my take. And I, my worry that people will get swept up in the Laporta world of everything is kind of unicorns and candy canes and forget about the fact that at the end of the day, we are broke. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a great point. I think what they're peddling is just the catchphrases that they need to do to get the associates attention. I mean, that's ultimately like no one has really come up with a strict economic plan of like what you're going to do once you get in, you're going to cut salary. You're going to trade off players like that. I want to see that type of plan because that is what's going to save us going forward. Right. We're not one player away from a major transfer. We just can't do that right now. Even as you know, even down to a, a point as, as potentially as simple as this, which is we just had to ask players to take significant pay cuts and yet we've got the manager saying that if they win, Chavi will be there on day one, which means paying off not only Kuman, but also presumably every single member of Kuman's staff. Well, where's this money coming from? So it's before we even get into the realms of players, if we're going to start on day one of making these big promises, Chavi will be with me. Okay, so they're all presumably going to get some kind of signing bonus because that's normal in football. They're certainly going to be on fairly hefty money. We also need to pay these people off of also having these people take pay cuts. It's it's just it, there's a lot of impractical stuff out there at the minute. And I don't know. I just hope that the that, that the sources will will make the sensible decision, not the Hollywood decision. Yeah, 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 yeah. So just some quick protocols for it. There's 110,000 people that are authorized to vote. Obviously, the elections are going to be on January 24th from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. And there's going to be 10 voting locations all all across Barcelona, Catalonia, Madrid, Valencia, Sevilla, Palma de Mallorca and Andorra, because Andorra obviously has Mm. a massive thing. So, again, that's just kind of been the news this week, especially coming uh, from here from Spain, especially the news of the Laporta banner was massive news just because it was, you know, 
early morning Wednesday, I believe it was, where it just kind of came out of nowhere and, uh, you know, just kind of ruffled some feathers. But yeah. at the end, you know, like like we've been talking about this for the last episodes, until one of them is going to go in as a president, we won't know completely what their economic plan That's is going it. to be. They can talk about all this, but they don't want to give all the cards away. Yeah. So. So, Craig, we have a new sponsor for Barca Talk, and that is Manscaped. Um, Support for the Barca Talk podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in the men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. And great news for you because they just launched in the U.K. Obviously, they're in the U.S. But, you know, this is is like one of those topics like – you know, it's kind of a funny topic, but at the same time, like, I, I'm not saying it's serious by any means, but it is one of those things that, you know, I, for me, ever since I was younger playing sports, I always kind of take seriously. I have always used a terrible beer trimmer. What about you? What have you kind of used in the past? Yeah, uh, everything from, well, currently I use my beard trimmer, which has two settings. It's either very, <laughs> very nervy. Uh, or it's, it's probably a bit longer than I want. Um, or in the past, I've used disposable razors. And God, that is, if you want yeah. to know how, how well you handle pressure, <laughs> try going it yourself with a disposable razor. For sure. For sure. That is that is very scary. Well, you know, Manscaped was nice enough to send us some samples of their product to us. And I was able to test it out. And I can tell you it's one of the best shaving experiences because I always hate it doing it because it's like. I already hate shaving my face and on top of that just anything on my body just takes forever and but I also understand like just keeping it nice and trim but like I have to say two of the things I noticed from the Manscaped right off the bat. The first thing, it has a light, an LED light at the very end. Mm. So that makes it super easy to trim wherever you need to trim. Uh, It's just kind of like one of those no-brainers, you know, like put a light at the end of it and you got that. The other thing, too, is just the speed that you can do it because before my beard trimmer was complete it was terrible and it took forever and like you said <laughs> it basically had two settings right yeah. nervous and very nervous you know yeah. and, and 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 with this uh i can honestly say it's one of the best days i've ever had and it was very quick very seamless and i definitely felt confident so again you don't feel nervous about cutting wherever you need to cut again this is their third generation trimmer it's got ceramic blades, so obviously it cuts very cleanly. Um, they also have a line of other products for your legs and for your jewels area, so I d- definitely recommend that. But again, it's waterproof, and again, I cannot emphasize, emphasize this enough. The LED light is a game changer, and it definitely helps. Why do you think? Why do you think? So it's something that we all do, right? And yeah. it's obviously a fairly important area for us. Why, don't, why do people still use terrible equipment for it? Imagine if you decided that you were going to drive the shittiest car you could find just because you would be yeah. embarrassed to buy a new one. Weird, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It is weird. It is weird. And the thing is, you don't it's it's like one of those things when you have the right tool for something and it just makes it so much easier, you realize, wow, I've been in the dark ages for so yeah. long. And that's and that's the thing. So I, I mean, I, I cannot recommend this product enough. Again, they've upgraded the RPM motor. Again, it's quiet. It's fast. The LED light comes with a really cool charging stand. And again, they also have boxer briefs and T-shirts that they sell. And the boxer briefs are really comfortable for going to the gym and so forth. So again, if you're looking to upgrade from a nervy beer trimmer, <laughs> definitely think about upgrading to Manscaped. You can get 20% off and free shipping with the code BTP20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Again, the code BTP20. Your balls will thank you. Let's get into our second talking point, and that is 
the Supercopa. So the Supercopa had the drawing. Mm. And this is one of those tournaments that you just forget about. And I just have one question for you, Craig. Yes. Is this the only chance that Barca is going to win a trophy? Is it the only chance or are we going to win? Because there's two separate questions there, my friend. It's the only chance. It's, it's the, the only, only chance, chance, but we're not going to win it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. They've, they've, really, they've really made the Super Cup something to dislike, haven't they, with this new format, yeah. in my opinion. It's almost like they've gone, how can we take something pointless and make it odious? I just don't get it. I don't understand how the Spanish football authorities can just continue to be just completely terrible. It's like whenever they whenever they seem to be getting something right, they just break something else. So for anyone that's travels <laughs> to, to games or tries to plan their life around the fixtures, it's like ah, you'll never quite know in enough time. And then and then this. So do, do I think? Yeah, I mean, it's the only chance. It's the only thing that we've got a reasonable shot at. But I wouldn't be getting too. I won't be getting too excited, unfortunately, Gabriel. Well, the thing is, you know, when they used to do it before, you know, obviously it was a great way to pump up the excitement of the league yeah. and everything coming forward. You know, I it's thought brilliant. it was a great. Yeah, yeah, of course. You had the home and away. It was a great chance to just say, OK, it's August. Let's let's get it going. You know, I thought it was a great opportunity. But again, last season to do it in, you know, outside of Spain, I thought and especially in January. And yeah. again, this year, obviously, they're going to keep it in Spain. So it makes it this much easier. You know, obviously, like I just again, there, we have so many, so many games, you know, and it's just so hard to get this lined up, I, obviously, I would have loved to have this in the preseason because then it gives you these extra games just to throw it away, right? So, obviously, Real Sociedad is going to be playing Barcelona, and obviously, Athletic Club are playing Real Madrid on January 13th and 14th. But, again, do we even beat Real Sociedad in this in this uh, Supercopa? Let's flick a coin and see what it says. Mm-hmm. Um it's interesting because normally, so I, I historically I've always really enjoyed the Supercopa, and it's been, as you said, for all them reasons that you've just mentioned, it was great. But now it's kind of, even as a consolation prize, I don't, I don't know what would the rea- if we won, what would the reaction be? Would you celebrate yeah. it? Would you, would you see it as a trophy in current circumstances? I mean, yes, <laughs> but at the same time, no. You know, it's kind of again, I. Again, I always just looked at this as a preseason trophy that you just kind of add to the trophy case if you do La Liga or Champions. Yeah. You know, you just add it to that, to that it list. It was like the gamper that mattered, wasn't it, really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's a good That's a good analogy. I mean, I again, I just – I think it's uh, just the scheduling of it is just so off. It's just not understanding world football. I, I just don't understand the RAF sometimes. They just – they had the good idea of expanding it to four teams. I think that's a good idea. But then like having it in January just doesn't make sense. So anyway – Again, t- for anyone that doesn't know what the Supercopa is, again, it's the winners and runners-up of La Liga and the winners and runners-up Copa del Rey, and they meet in a single elimination tournament, and that's what they do. And so we'll, we'll see what happens. I'm just worried that this is could be the only chance we have to win, and I still think we do not win. So that's going <laughs> to yeah. make it even worse. So <laughs> After the break, let's get into the meat and potatoes of the show. Obviously, the match review, we have some thoughts and Opinions, as always, about the Barca-Valencia match that took place on Saturday. Life in Spain for Gabriel Quiroga means football all day, every day. In the morning, you get the papers, and then you jump on Twitter. That gets you through to lunch. And then after lunch, you have local sports shows here. What's the up-to-date after training? You might have the match later on that night. At the end of the night, at midnight, Chiringuito show, which is just gossip between Barcelona and Madrid. He and Mariana Guzman live it every day, and they bring it to you here on the Blaugranagram Podcast Network. 
understanding who are the people to follow, the journalists to really respect, take their advice, and then portray that to our audience of what is being said about Barcelona with the up-to-date news of the week. On Barca Talk Cafe, an exclusive show for our supporters on Patreon, Gabriel and Mariana give you their unique outlook. We're trying to give you that experience of what it is to follow FC Barcelona here. And on top of that, trying to cut through the noise and trying to get the pure news and analysis that you want about FC Barcelona. Support us on Patreon to get your exclusive content. Just follow the link in our show notes. And I'm always joined from Barcelona, Mariana Guzman. Mariana, buenos dias, ¿qué tal? Good morning, Gabriel. How are you? So, Craig, on Saturday afternoon, we dropped points yet again. Yet again? <laughs> we, we played Valencia at the Camp Nou. It was a 2-2 result. I think just the performances, if we just take a snapshot of the last three weeks where we were hyping up the team, we were kind of getting excited because we thought they found some rhythm and some formation with Braithwaite at the top. And then we just take two steps backwards. And I just feel mm. like Kuman ultimately is still trying to find what is going on. And I think we just have to start with that, right? I think, you know, with Kuman's lineup, you know, it's still just baffling to me that he ride or dies with Busquets and Coutinho. <laughs> How much more can we bang the Busquets drum? But it, it seems like it seems like the only outlet that doesn't think Busquets needs to sit out for a while is Kuman? You know, I, I th- there's this real irrationality at the minute, and I'm using that word deliberately. And here's where I throw in that kind of Z-list celebrity don't at me line. Uh, at me if you want, I won't reply. Um, but you know, there's a real <laughs> irrationality at the minute about Ricky Pooch. Barca Twitter is in absolute meltdown, whereas Correct. most other sources are kind of saying, well, there's probably something to this, and you know, there's several independent sources saying that Pooge is doing X wrong or Y wrong or Z wrong. And who knows where the answer is, but it's kind of like you have this real cauldron of activity here and everything else is kind of saying something different or certainly a much less vociferous version of that. And yet with Busquets, everyone is united in the fact that they shouldn't happen anymore. And yet it still happens. And I don't understand it. Like you don't need to be football intelligent to understand that he slows the player down. Like a man who, for, for, for the peak of his career, his entire reason for being was that he didn't give the ball away, is now a liability. He's too slow mm-hmm. to get back. He doesn't help going forward. I don't understand the purpose. And so this, this is my biggest confusion with Busquets, is why is the only person who, who can't see this, the manager? Uh, and what, what was your thoughts? I mean, with Busquets, I'm just, I accept it now. You know, I've already gone through my seven stages of... Of, you know, denial, acceptance and all that. So I just accept and expect that Busquets is going to play, you know. So that to me is not, you know, whatever. It's I can't again. He just I just I'm so over him, you know, right now. And the thing is, is like it's so clear that I can see how like you just mentioned, you know, the slow of play, but also just Mm -hmm. his last ball in the attack just always gets blocked. It's never good enough. And, like, he'll have a good pass here and there, obviously, one out of, like, 10 or 12 in the last attacking third. But, like, he just cannot do what we, we what he used to do. And that's really <laughs> troubling because it's clear as day on the film. And, again, like you said, you just can't, you just can't understand why Kuman does it. And then Coutinho. Oh, right. OK. So with Coutinho, <laughs> I, underst- I understood it for a while. Because it was like he came back preseason, he played well, he did some bits, bits and bobs, he looked good, he started to get a little bit of confidence in it. And, and I kind of thought, oh, okay, 
we're dealing with a confidence player and at Liverpool, he was full of confidence. He was important. It mattered. That's why he played really well. He came here. It didn't quite work out. The confidence went blah, 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 blah. So I thought, oh, we'll see. We'll see more of it now. And it turns out I was just completely wrong. I have never seen a man simultaneously be so anonymous yet cause so many things to break down, which by definition means he was involved. It was bizarre. Like his performance was how can you almost be invisible yet screw so many things up? It yeah, was yeah, yeah. it was an incredible performance from Coutinho. And I, I kind of think, to use a really terrible analogy, and obviously I don't mean this literally, if it was a horse, you'd put him down for his own sake. He's, he's suffering. <laughs> like, get get the guy, just, just get, he can't be enjoying this. If yeah, I was yeah. his agent, I'd be looking for an exit, I think. The club could do with some money. People will take him. He's a good player. I don't, I don't think we can argue about that. His time at Liverpool, yeah, yeah. his time in Italy on loan, his time in Spain on loan. There's no doubt that that guy's a good player he just clearly has far too much water under the bridge for us yeah no that that's true because again this you know the pressure of playing at barca when you are not doing well is immense right i mean we've seen it throughout you know so many players come and go but again i to mm-hmm. me it's just understanding and this is what kuman's fault is is just understanding the players and where they thrive and trying to come up with this scheme that is going to get the best out of everyone you know and it still yeah. continues to miss for the most part. Now, I want to go on to, you know, I, we have some things to talk about. The first thing I want to get into yeah. is just the defense on the corner kicks. You know, I was reading Mundo Deportivo today, yeah. as I always do on Sunday with my Café con Leche. And they had a really interesting stat that they brought up. It was Barca have conceded four corners this year, which equals the total from all of last three seasons. On top of that, the Cadiz, Sevilla, Valencia games where we could have earned three points, those were corners given as well. And Kuman after the game on Movistar here in Spain was talking about that it's just simply concentration. Now, on the goal of Saturday, it was a, I mean, this is like when you maybe turn 16 and you start to kind of draw up corner, corner play plays, you know, corner kick plays. It was the most basic of the guy started on one side and just went around a pick and he was, I mean, so open. I mean, why is Barca, especially this team this season, just so bad at defending not only corner kicks, but also dead balls? Yeah, it, 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 you know what, what I find really interesting and obviously in and I, I could be getting this miles wrong. And if I am, apologize, I apologize. But I think in America, because of the sports that you guys have um, over there, particularly in, in the NFL, your approach to set players can be quite methodical and quite formulaic. And, that, and, that, and that's good. In the UK, we're much more industrial about it. And when you when you start playing in this country, we don't overthink it too much. And it's a case of the biggest guy on yep. my team will take the biggest guy on your team. Yep. And then we'll work through the list. There'll be one person on each post. And then from there... If you're not doing it man-to-man on in that order, you'll mark space. And that's it. We don't overthink it. Now, I'm not saying it's perfect, but what you wouldn't have in that scenario is, is where you've got the biggest player from your opposition marked by an average height forward. Yeah, It's nonsense. I don't lay that much blame at Griezmann's door. It, it, he's let his man go and it's not great, granted. Sure. But why on earth was he on him in the first place? And secondly... If you know someone has come through traffic and they've ran around a clutch of players, we've got two centre-halves at the near post and neither of them react. Yeah. And so I think everyone was like, oh, Griezmann, I, I'm sorry, but you can't you can't be blaming a, a 5'11", 6'1", whatever he is, forward for their centre-half getting a free header when you've got other players doing nothing. And I just don't understand. 
I don't know what the strategy was. We weren't man to man. We weren't zonal. And if we were yeah. either of them, we were <laughs> we doing failed. either of them terribly. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. And you know, it, maybe it is about concentration, but. I sincerely hope that he wasn't trying to put that as an excuse. Yeah, of course. And and that's the thing, right? I mean, to me, when I watch that video, it's it's a couple things. Like you said, I just think it's concentration of understanding what to defend, right? And like you said, I I wouldn't have put Griezmann out there, you know, obviously huh. defending. You know, you use your all your you know, your defensive line, your midfield are usually the, the people that are gonna defend the corner, usually, right? Yeah. And just the understanding of where to mark up and who to mark up, I think, is just crucial where that goes into the scouting before the match, yeah. right? It's just, hey, on corner kicks, you're defending this guy, so so look for him right away, as opposed to, oh my god, oh, who do I defend? And that's what it just looks like, especially in these matches that are crucial yeah. for getting these points, right? You know, I want to say Liverpool, like all the dead ball moments we've had in the last six years, you know, it's just this lack of understanding of who marks who and so forth. And I just don't, you know, I just and it doesn't even take that much. It's just scouting and just making sure that everyone knows what to do. Look for it. And like you said, are they playing man? Are they playing space? I mean, that's what it really comes down to. In in this goal, it looks like they're playing half ass. You know, it's just kind of in between both, you know, and also our team never wants to get dirty. And that's the other thing on corner kicks. You know how it is. You have hand grabbing. You might hit a head. You know, like all these things are very possible. And from when I see our defending, we always look as though we never want to get dirty in the trenches with these other teams. And that other teams always usually take advantage of that. So let's move on to the next thing. Now, this is something that we have been talking about in our WhatsApp group. And you and I have been talking about this all the time. And this is the messy conundrum. I mean... Yes, Messi scored a goal on a you know PK that was saved, and then he got that header. So he ties Pele with 643 goals for a single club. But again, when I look at the stats of his season, you know now he's with six goals. But again, the biggest telling thing for me is zero assists. You yeah. know that is a big telling thing for me. And like I said in our WhatsApp group, we've been debating Messi's performance for the past three matches. You know how everyone's like, "Oh, Messi's back," and so forth. But you. I have to say, I had one of the great lines in there. And, I, and I'm just going to let you, I'm going to quote mm-hmm. this, right? You can make a definite case for Messi being the biggest disappointment of the season so far. If he doesn't want to be here, fine, but either do something about it or earn your money. And I thought this was brilliant because in this match, as we have talked about his captaincy and the way he does things, in this match, it was clear as day hearing him yell at the players when the players need someone to lead them in this moment we are in dire need of just some positivity and everything and Messi could be that person and he's just adding to this negativity but you have a great point what do we do with this I mean yes he's scoring six goals he's right there as the Pichichi right there you know with seven or eight is the leader right now but again the performances the body language the lack of assists the constant back and forth passing with only Alba the shots that are being constantly blocked. Like, yeah. this is by far the worst messy season so far. I genuinely hope, so obviously there's, there's rumours that this interview is coming out, and I never thought I would say this. I hope Messi's going. I, I really do, because he, he looks disinterested. When he does look interested, it's for the wrong reasons. He looks angry. And how do you win? You can't have it both ways. You can't be messy who demands the ball at every turn. Therefore, players will have to look for you. And then be angry if a player makes a silly pass because instead of playing to the man that's open, he tries to give it to you. You can't have it both ways. 
What you can't also be is a player who gets angry about people giving the ball away and then repeatedly give the ball away. So here's two here's two stats for just two games that I got that I brought up while I was waiting for our, our chat to, to connect here. In November, two games in November, against Atleti, he gave the ball away 23 times. And against Alaves, he lost the ball 27 times. How? What right do you have, if this is the form that you're on, to throw your hands in the air because a young player has missed, has missed a pass by two yards? It's ridiculous. It's not the behaviour of a captain. It's behaviour of a spoiled child. And I, Messi takes up. I'm sure I keep reeling this stat off, and I'm reeling it off as if I'm really confident in it. And I'm really not, but I'm going to say it again anyway. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure Messi earns. It's certainly around the fifty percent mark of our wage bill. Yeah, yeah. Because that. Well, I, I read it from several sources in the UK when it was preseason, and the Man City stuff was getting talked about. Could be wrong, and if I am, apologies. But it won't be a million miles away. You can't be taking up that much capital of our of our finances and be putting the shift in. You mentioned he's, he's there or thereabouts in the Pachichi. I respectfully disagree. Benzema is on nine goals and six assists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Messi is scraping in with six goals and without doing the whole... A, penalty, a penalty's a goal and a penalty is justifiable. I know there's a few yeah. penalties in there. He is creating very little. And again, going back to Barca Twitter, the thank God... God, Arsenal TV and Arsenal Twitter. Exists. Because if not, Barca Twitter would be the most irrational bunch of people since that crazy family out of America, that Westboro Baptist Church people. I was going to say, I was going to say, no disrespect to any of our patrons that might be in that, but if you are, go and have a serious think about how you're living your life. Anyway, um, but you know, Barca Twitter is saying Messi, Messi, and Pooja are the only two playmakers. Really, we must be watching different games then, because yeah. I genuinely think Messi has looked disinterested he 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 feels like he would be toxic in the dressing room yeah and yeah, you know i just he needs to make a decision do you want to be here for this club earning horrific amounts of money and if so do what we know you can do and if not come out be a man about it and say look i'm going like i'm off and at least then yeah. we can start to make some make some decisions because right now I genuinely think he's doing more harm than good on the pitch for us. No, I would agree. I would agree. And just to get, what I was mentioning more about the Petici is that he is in statistically still in it because the league leader right now is Moreno from Villarreal with eight mm. and Benzema with seven. So that's what I was just saying. Number wise, he's still there. Right. And like you said, he scraped goals right with penalties. And the other thing to me that's troubling is seeing his free kicks. I <laughs> don't know what's going on with those. Like, for example, the kicks that he used to do for the last three years, he would always pick the correct pace on it and accuracy. And now the accuracy is completely gone. And although he's like, for example, in this game, he had one that just went wide and he just looks disinterested, like you said. Yeah. And it just looks like he's just kind of just mailing it in. And again, I, you know, when the news broke out this summer, I wanted to see him because I wanted to get the young players in return. And I thought you know, having the freedom and maybe having Griezmann in that middle would have opened up maybe a better attacking going forward. But man, like you said, it's not only on the field of just how he's his body language is of the you know how he's dealing with the other teammates, but also the toxicity in the locker room. I mm -hmm. think is another additive that you know this this team just just looks so disconnected. They do not look like a real team. They do not want to fight for each other. I mean, you can see it when they're defending. You can see in the way they kind of celebrate. It doesn't have that same type of joy that it is. It's just kind of more relief <laughs> when you see that going on, you know. And again, the other thing, too, is just if a midfielder was giving the ball on average 25 plus times, 
we would be throwing our our arms arms up in the air, right? I mean, if we had a midfielder that was giving the ball up 25 times on average every game, he better be doing assists or doing other things to you know negate that stat. Because again, in this match, every time he turns, he's got three people around him, and that goes down to the lack of creativity we have in the attacking third. But I also think that relates to Messi always asking for the ball. So I ask you, Craig, like, what? How do we figure this out? Because Messi is not getting, he's not feeling it. You know, you can just see it. And we're not going to add any more players in the wintertime. And this is the team. And with Kuman's lack of direction or ideas to unlock the attack, Messi is going to continue to scrape these goals. And it's just going to be these kind of sub average kind of performances from Messi. It's, the, yeah, I mean, that, that's the thing. And, you know, people can say stats. You know what, what's the uh, was it sure. Wilder said lie, uh, lies, damned lies, and statistics. But you know if you look at it here, so Messi's Messi's conversion rate is the lowest. That's not true. We've got <laughs> we've got Griezmann in there. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> but um, you know I'm going down here. So we've got one, two, three, four, five, six. Of the top twenty of the twenty five top scorers in the league so far this season, the two lowest conversion rates in terms of shots to goals. You've got Griezmann who's down in twenty third who's got 11% conversion. And then you've got Messi, who, yes, fair enough, has six goals and is sitting sixth in the Pichichi, but he's took 51 shots to get those six goals. Again, I don't know how many of them are penalties. And he's given the ball away that much. It's yeah, yeah. simply not sustainable. If that, yeah. Jesus, if that was Griezmann, I, I don't know where we would be. Like, at least Griezmann is not as wasteful. Um, and I just think we need to look at it. And, and if, this won't happen. If it was me, I would love to think I would have the the corners about me to say, right, I'm benching you for three games. Ooh, I'm taking the captaincy yes. off you. I yes. don't think it'll happen. I no, wouldn't no, be no, surprised if it wouldn't be allowed to happen for economic yeah, reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Um, I think if the club, because presumably the club need to know very soon if he's going to go. Yeah. There's got to be murmurings anyway. I mean, obviously PSG are doing the, you know, the worst attempt at flirting in the world. <laughs> like, oh, we definitely, definitely won't talk about a player at another club. But, you know, if we, if we keep Neymar, Neymar wants to play with Messi and, oh, well, who, you know, you know, we'll yeah, just yeah, wait yeah. and see. But <laughs> I think if the club believe there's even a 51% chance at the minute that he's going to go at the end of the season, um, based on current form, bench him because you've done it with, you've done it with other players. And I just yeah. think what message is it send out that if you're, if you're Messi, you can do what you want. However... The big problem that we've got is the stat that you mentioned at the start of this section, which is that he's now got 643 goals for our club. Like, And I, I honestly wish, in hindsight, and in fact, it's not even with hindsight, I was saying to you in the summer, like, yeah, let him, as long as, as, long as, he, as long as he doesn't go to anyone in Spain or someone who I think can win the Champions League, and I don't think City are going to win the Champions League because I wasn't bothered, um, let him go. And with hindsight, I wish that would have happened because this is not, same as Busquets, this is not the way I want either of them ending their time at the club, which is becoming a hindrance to the team. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. And it's just really troubling because, you you know, we've talked about it. Messi is our favorite player. And it's just the reality of a pro athlete's lifetime. You know what I'm saying? It's just the decline is natural. It happens to everyone. It's, you know, mm. father time is undefeated in that. Yeah. It's just It's just troubling because I just think – there's more that can be done, you know, tactically a little bit, and it's just never going to happen, you know. And I and Kuman again is just not the coach that's going to be able to do this, you know. And again, I, 
in this match, you know, Valencia took the lead and it was the eighth time Barca has been behind this season. And it's just mm. these these statistics along with the corner kicks, it's like what are they practicing and what is being scouted? It just seems though Kuman is happy enough with what the talent is and he rolls out the formation and he just kind of plugs a player like Coutinho in there yeah. where we kind of gasp and it's just this idea of the players are good enough because they're world class we should be okay but it needs more than that you don't yeah. there's no such thing as a world class 11 right you'll have world class 3 plus some workers some talent on defense and then you go forward with that now i want to bring up this point because it was brought up on my dad my dad he loves what's up at me during the matches he's hilarious and he just simply put to me are they allowed to shoot on goal now you we, we talked about this a little bit before that you are mm-hmm. anti this i am for yeah. this because i was a striker and i just it just hurts my heart to see the angles that they have at the kind of top of the box where it's a brilliant angle like it's the angle you want to take as a striker because you have enough space and you know you have the keeper out of there and we always dribble it to the end line trying to get it yeah why can't we shoot just a bit more why are you anti-philosophy of shot to goal type of no, thing no, because no 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 let me, no, no. Uh, let, me let no no, no. Okay. You, you, you've, you've misread you've, you've misread me oh okay i'm not okay. i'm not anti-shooting i'm anti the idea that we don't shoot what i am pro is the idea that we're terrible at it mm, we had 25 shots we had 25 shots against valencia can you yes, think of a single but, save their keeper made? That's what that's what I was gonna say. I was gonna say this, but this is the other thing with with this with this type of shot is that I think there is this limitation that our players have to keep going further into the goal before they shoot. Right? Like I'm talking about ten meters away, fifteen meters away, where they have the angle. Alba, Dest, Busquets, and I know they're gonna. I'm not saying they're world class shooters. I'm just saying. When you have the space, just shoot. Because, again, I always go back to this, Craig, that just drives me crazy. Defending Barca right now is the easiest thing to do. Mm-hmm. For, for Koeman, there's, there's, a, there's a, a game of whack-a-mole going on, isn't there, really? Like, <laughs> what, 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 what do you sort out first? You, you know, you, you sort out the defense, and then the midfield are terrible, and then you sort out Coutinho, and then Messi's crap, and then you sort out Messi, and then Griezmann is on there. Um, so I get it. And I think, for, for me, the, the biggest thing I found myself doing recently... He's just asking why, and, and I'm terrible for it. My missus laugh, my wife laughs at me when I watch football because she, <laughs> she, she always says, you, you're, "You're always telling people what pass they should play and when they should shoot." And I'm like, "Because it's not difficult, like it's not hard." Yeah, yeah. And, and the amount of times that in the in the last few games where one of our players has taken a shot, and I've just said, "Why? Why are you shooting from there?" And I think that I think that's the issue we've got is that we've got players who run into so many blind alleys that they just start shooting. So Messi will be a few players, fair enough. And then he'll be so knackered by the times he gets there. He's not, his legs aren't what they were. Messi used to beat two or three men and he'd have the power to get that shot into the corner. How many times in the last few weeks have we seen him? He's gone on a run, he's cut inside as he used to and the shot dribbles to the goalkeeper because his legs have run out of steam. You know, that the old almost um, trademark Messi finish run across, run across diagonally across the box and then put it in the corner you've just came past. You know, he just can't do it anymore. Coutinho, how many times he was at Liverpool, would cut inside, beat a man and whip it in the top corner. And he's not able to do it because he's not cutting inside and shooting. He's stopping, try a couple of static step overs. Defenders don't buy it because they've seen this time and time again. It's not their first rodeo watching him stand still. And then he, and then by that point, the runners that have gone for him have to stop because they're either offside or the defender's gone with them. And then he shoots because there's nothing else to do. You know, it's, it's, this, it's this enigma that I don't understand, which is, 
and this is why I'm saying I'm not anti I'm not anti shooting. What I'm saying is I don't <laughs> think the shot's the problem. We take too many of them in the wrong positions and we don't take enough when we're in the right positions because we don't Correct. get in the positions That's... enough. And it's it's this thing where if if you break football down to its basic fundamental requirements, you need to work the ball in a position where you're statistically more likely to score than not, which is why the entire European football game and certainly in the UK is built on get the ball to the byline, cut it back, have enough people near the penalty spot, eventually one of them will go in. It's boring to watch. It is, you know, it's kind of your classic um, Burnley type football. Put the ball in the box (laughs) a number of times, eventually you'll get there. You know, it's all based on being statistically more likely to score than not. And at the end of the minute, whenever whenever we shoot, it feels like we're statistically less likely and we're relying on wonder goals. And that's not, that is not the Barcelona that I've spent 12, 15 years watching. It's not yeah, what yeah. we used to do. We used to do the opposite. We used to work chances where it was like, well, we will score here. We've, you know, we've got, we've got two people in the six yard box waiting for the, for a pass. And so that, that's where I think it's going wrong is that p- players are finding themselves in positions where they've run out of options because we aren't moving the ball quick enough and they've got no option then but to shoot. And it it must be a dream to go to the Camp Nou and defend. Correct. Correct. So easy. That's the thing. I mean, and the other thing we can add into this is just the Alba passing and the crossing that so he continually tries to... I, exactly. And oh, he continues gosh. to try to do that, which drives me crazy because, you know, as a left-footed striker, whenever I see that angle open up, uh, especially on Dest's side, you know, when that side opens up where he has an angle yeah. and you can just curl it in like those. Like, I think you brought up a great point about this. It's the opportunities when to shoot. Right. And that's the yeah. thing for me. It's like the angles when you just instinctively say, oh, my God, I have this angle. I'm going to take it head down, put it through. You know, that's the thing. And it's this constant thing of, like you said, going down to the byline and trying to cross with Alba, Alba looking for Messi, Messi getting blocked and all these different things that continue to happen. And we just keep hitting our head against the wall, trying to break this down. And as a defender, especially Valencia, we can say Valencia, we can say Juventus. These defensive teams do not even break a sweat. (sighs) Craig, I don't know, man. This is... You know, I especially here the the essence here in Spain is just really just negative about this team. Obviously, we've seen it this whole half season. Of course, we want to be as positive. And we got a message from one of our patrons, you know, with only a little bit more efficiency, we'd be on top of La Liga. Can we look forward to 2021? That is from Kim. You know, again, we talked about this, you know, if we knew the lottery numbers, we would have won the lottery. Right. This type of (laughs) this type of idea. And and yes, we are still right there on the table. But if we just like look at the whole scope of the thing, I just don't have confidence in, you know, Kuman putting the layout, the team working together, us scoring significant goals. More importantly, our defense giving up important goals. It's just a mess. And we have on top of that, Craig, on top of that, you have two skets, right? The guy that's in charge of the team right now, just commenting like he is the owner of the team, making these these declarations going on. I mean, (sighs) Craig, like it is just, you know, I just hope in 2021 that we just get some some positivity and light into this organization because we need it. But I'm actually really positive about the future of this club. I'm just absolutely resigned to the fact that this year is going to be terrible. This yeah. season, we're winning nothing, by the way. Like, we should just get this out in the open. Focus right on we're, fourth. We're, if we're lucky, like, if we're lucky. But look at how much positive has come through this year that will set us up well for when all of this mess is cleared. 
in, in like, Testegan's not playing well this year, but he's a great goalkeeper. He's made some phenomenal saves still. In, in, he doesn't look happy, but why would you be in that team? No one likes losing or, or dropping points. But look at the positives that we've had this year. Dest is an absolute godsend for us. Very, very, very good. In, someone again put in, the, in, in our in our Patreon, someone put in the in, in the chat saying, with Mingesa and Araujo, maybe we don't even need Eric Garcia from City. And what a valid, like we've gone from going, my God, we've got no centre-halves to maybe we're not that bothered if PK comes back. We, we've discovered two potential, I mean, you can argue that Araujo was already there, but certainly in Mingesa, we've got a very, very, very good centre-half there by the looks of it. We've got youth across the team. Elenia's looked great when he's played. We've got Frankie de Jong, who's now starting to come into his own and is playing well. We've got the emergence. Obviously, we've got Fatty that's come through and again looked really, really good. Pedri, my God, what a player he is. Trincao looks like he's trying too hard, but there's a very good player in there as well. He needs to just calm down. He's the biggest victim after Jordi Alba. He's the biggest victim of the Pasta Messi syndrome. But in Trincao, we've got a great young player. Conrad looked all right when he's played. I'm really positive about the future of our club. I am just baffled and beaten by this season. I just feel like we've been suffering from such bad uh, managers that just feel that the team is doesn't need to train hard and be on top of just the little details mm. that makes the difference. You know, I think those are the things. I mean, if you think of Valverde, Setien, and Kuman, I don't think of detail-oriented managers. You know, <laughs> those do, are the do things. You don't think, do you not think with every day that passes, Valverde is looking like a better and better manager? No, I would take him is, back in a heartbeat. Well, that's that's you. I I wouldn't. I mean, <laughs> the thing is, I I think it's you know, uh, you're measuring still bad managers. Maybe he's the best of the of the bad you know managers, but I just wasn't happy Fair. with what he was doing. You know, he again, yes, I think Valverde is a better coach of Kuman, but I still yeah. do not want him back because I was not happy with the style and that's the direction fair. that he was taking the team. So. I just think Valverde was just a better La Liga coach because he, A, knew the league so well. I mean, he had mm. been coaching for so long. And I also think that he was able to be a better manager with the media and also with the players in the locker room that created this environment that they were more comfortable with, right? Yeah. And, I, and I think that comes down to just the understanding of Valverde is a nice guy and also speaks you know, Spanish. I think that has a lot to do with how Kuman's interaction with the locker room and the media here because, you know, obviously Spanish is like his third language. So it's those type of things that roll into one. Well, there's a good, there's a game this week, you know, usually during La Liga, usually have Christmas break, but we, we're basically kind of going through it. So there's a game on Tuesday night, 22nd, uh, Valladolid, it's going to be a tough match because it is uh, colder here in Spain. So we'll see how that affects the players and we'll see what happens. But man, we, you know, there's a possibility to get points because Valladolid is not as strong as they were last season. Um, they're basically 18th right now as we stand. And so there is a possibility for Barcelona to get three points. But again, when you look at these teams, Levante, Cadiz, all these teams now do not fear us. And now when we play against them at their home turf, it again, it, pre, it presents another barrier for us because we're not the classic team that we used to be yeah. and anything can go, you know. So on paper, yeah, we should beat them. But again, the way we've been playing, I could see all three possibilities happen, you know, yeah, a yeah. loss, a tie or a win. And that's what makes it crazy. So so again, that's going to be the for Christmas viewing. And so we'll see how the team does. Barca Talk is a production of Soundit Media with social media and promotion by Two Point Go and part of the Blaugranagram Podcast Network. Until next time, Forza Barca.
Social Podcast Network.